Hello, my name is Jennifer Ristine, and I'm joining you with RC Spirituality for the Living Heart of an Apostle. And joining us now is Saline Kelly. Saline Kelly is a consecrated woman of Regnum Christi, and we actually lived in the same community together for two years in ancient Magdala. We would open the door of our bedrooms, and there we could look upon the Sea of Galilee. It was an amazing experience. But um, we shared something in common while we were there, more than just living in the same community, and that is a love for the place, ancient Magdala, a love for Mary Magdalene, and a love for all those who came to visit. We welcomed thousands of people, Jews, Christians, non-believers, people who were just coming interested in the historical site itself, and we would walk them around this site. So today I've asked her not to necessarily give you a tour, which uh, perhaps some of you have actually had a tour with her, and you know the talent that she has in storytelling and using the gospel imagination and bringing the place alive for you. But more than a tour, I asked her to share her personal experience. Who is Mary Magdalene for her? How has this um, changed perhaps as she's lived now four years in ancient Magdala? And how has she seen Mary Magdalene touching the lives of others who enter into that special place, a special space, and I would say that holy site of ancient Magdala? Hello, and my name is Celine Kelly, and I'm from Ireland. Now I have the joy of living here in Magdala the last four years. And I have been reflecting on my own experience as a child growing up with an awareness of Mary Magdalene's story from the gospel and how Jesus intervened and set her free and then how she became the announcer of the good news. But since I've been living here at Magdala, I have been very um, much impressed by her life and also by the place itself because being in this hot land where the temperatures rise into the mid 40s in the summertime especially in the hours in the middle of the day and into the afternoon um, I have realized how much um, this was a challenge for everybody to live in this very hot climate and then, you know, sometimes when you're reading the gospel as a child, it all sounds so perfect and so easy and so simple. But when you come here and you see also the diversity of peoples, and you know it was that way too in Jesus' time with the Romans and the Greeks and the local people and the different faith backgrounds, you um, begin to realize that uh, it was quite a complex situation, but Jesus is there Mary is there and her life um, encounters Jesus and this encounter brings her to a whole new place where she walks with the Lord and follows him and ministers to him and then she is with him at his passion and death on the cross and then one of those who goes to the garden probably the instigator of let's go let's finish the anointing of his body and then the big surprise, the resurrection of Jesus. So being here in Magdalene helps me to situate myself in all those stories and those moments. And that has helped me to understand her better and to really admire the work of God in her so much more. 
And I would say for people today coming here, they come and they're tired of their long pilgrimage. They've gone to many sites, taken many photographs, read some scripture. But here I think something special happens when they come to the site of Mary Magdalene. Because on one hand, you have this woman who was tormented by seven demons. And I think in today's world, people often feel this oppression of evil, of challenges that they face, of trials in their own personal life and difficulties to move forward. And to see how Jesus sets her free, it's so refreshing. It gives people new hope that maybe he can do this for me. So you begin to see they enter into the encounter, they enter into dialogue with Jesus. And it's very beautiful to see how many people are touched and moved and feel that Jesus also loves them and will take care of them and set them free and help them to move forward. We've had many people share their own story, how they were caught up in different situations, some in addictions, some with a past, some with violence, and they come here and they feel that somehow there's fresh air, there's the breath of life breathed into them again. They seem to come alive, they seem to realize the love of God is new and for them, and it's a whole new world. So I have uh, been a witness to many of these stories, and you would see men and women young people, older people. It doesn't matter what country or nationality or age group. Everybody seems to, to get some special grace in this beautiful place. Well, yes, in my own life, I have developed a friendship with Mary Magdalene. So she is always there, I feel, present in the church, attentive. And she's very specially there for us when we're under pressure, when we have other forces that are trying to put us off track. So I feel personally that Mary Magdalene is a friend who understands and she'll never be shocked by uh, our difficulties, our trials. And in that sense, I feel that she is there to help me uh, through difficult moments and to move forward and to feel the presence of Jesus who comes and to be confident that he will work for me what he worked for her. So it gives me great hope and joy and confidence to turn to Mary and ask her intercession in uh, different situations of everyday life, small things, large things, but at all times I think she is very attentive to us, not only here but all over the world of the church in the world, people who are crying out that need help, that need some kind of refreshment. And so I, I definitely suggest that this devotion to Mary Magdalene is very rewarding. It's very um, real. And the thing about it is, no matter what your situation is, it's okay because Jesus can deal with it. If he could expel seven demons of all sorts from Mary Magdalene's life, what can he not do for each one of us? So here in the site, there are um, several places where I often think of Mary Magdalene. One is down by the sea, because here 
right by the site, we have the port, the ancient port of the Sea of Galilee. And you could imagine the boat coming in and Mary being there waiting. And she's heard about Jesus and she's kind of picking up courage to ask for help. And uh, maybe the cry goes out, Jesus is coming. And so she, she goes and she's in a way in that battle, will I go, will I not? Will I tell him, will I ask, what will I say? How is this going to happen? And of course, we know that Jesus is always ahead of the game and he's the one who reaches out to us first. And that's a beautiful place, I think, by the sea, because you could imagine the boat coming in, still a little while to go till it arrives at the shore. And the great expectation and the great desire for liberation and the great thirst of Mary and Jesus coming closer and closer and closer and maybe peace coming over her. Um, a beautiful place for uh, understanding Jesus' tenderness, how he comes close to us, how he walks right into our situation. This is a beautiful thing of Jesus, the word made flesh. He walks among us. He dwells among us. And sometimes when I'm walking through the site on the little roads, the ancient roads through the, the site, I think, would it be here that Mary Magdalene saw Jesus pass by and said, Jesus, can you help me? And he would say, like he said to someone else, what do you want me to do for you? And then Mary would say, I, I can't help myself. I have all these demons and can you help me get rid of them? And Jesus comes right in there. And, you know, no matter how many movies you've seen of the great hero coming in to save the damsel in distress, this is the ultimate case because there's nothing more distressful than having a demon and imagine seven of them. So Mary's situation was really complicated and very compromised and the poor woman needed an out and Jesus sets her free. The power of Jesus to send them out, no matter how many, the legion of demons, no matter the seven, out they go, never to come back. Imagine the sigh of relief of Mary. I think of that there on the pathways. And there's another beautiful place, which is the synagogue. I really like the synagogue because it is a first century synagogue. That would have been Mary's synagogue. Unless maybe there's another one in the town. We haven't found that yet anyway. But this may well have been her synagogue where she sat on those benches to listen to the word being preached. And after her heart was transformed and her life is set free for sure she would be thirsting for the word of god and would have gone to the synagogue many a time maybe some people there looked down on her and said you know who she is she's possessed and now she knows she's set free but she's very humble but i like to think especially of mary coming back after the resurrection rushing into the synagogue to tell them he is risen and they would ask how do you know I saw him. But Mary, maybe it's your imagination. No. Because I thought he was the gardener. I actually asked him, where did you take him? Tell me where he is and I'll get him. And then he said my name. When he said my name, when he said Mary, I knew it was him. Nobody says my name like he does. And then he told me, go and tell them. To go to Galilee, there you will see me. And now we're here in Galilee. 
And we ask Jesus, we want to see you. We want to experience your resurrection in our lives. This is the woman of the resurrection, the messenger of the good news, the gospel. And she goes out and tells the story. How wonderful is that? That she is set on fire to bring the good news everywhere. I think they could never keep her quiet after that Easter Sunday. She could not help it. She had to tell everyone he is risen. Uh, it's quite amazing to see how many people come here to Magdala. And every person, every human person, and women in particular, are very sensitive in their hearts to what's going on in their own life, in their family, in the workplace, in their community, and in, in society at large. And I found that in general, women come here and they find peace. Now that's quite extraordinary. They feel a sense of peace permeating the entire site. And one of the things that I think they feel very identified with is the fact that Mary is so down to earth. She's a real woman with real issues, with real problems. There couldn't be anything more dramatic than Mary's life and what Jesus does for her. So I think the women coming here, all of them can say, wow, if he did that for Mary, maybe he can help me with this situation. I think I'm going to trust him. I think I'll tell him too what's going on with me in my life. So I think there's a great sense of identity, especially because she's such a real woman, so ordinary and so uh, such a suffering woman. Women suffer a lot because they're very sensitive. And whether it's a large item or a small issue, we women are easily hurt and easily suffer. But it's so beautiful to see how Jesus enters and transforms. And he takes away, lifts the burden from our shoulders. And we can breathe relief. And then we can realize more clearly who we are, our own identity as children of God loved and saved by Jesus and enlivened by the Spirit to go out. So somehow I feel this process happens with women coming here. Um, you know how Mary Magdalene, I would say, when we have summing it up as she was restored in her true identity. After this encounter, this liberating encounter with Jesus, she knows who she is and she can move forward in freedom and in joy and in peace, knowing that she's loved and helped and accompanied. And I think every woman needs this. So in a way, I, I guess these are some of the elements that help women to identify with her and to be filled with hope and with expectation that the Lord wants to help them and he will help them. Well, here we are uh, in lockdown, and you could say the disciples were in lockdown until the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in a way, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the women were there with the disciples, the apostles in the upper room. And it was a time of prayer. So I think that's been something very beautiful here. We've had time to pray, to walk by the Sea of Galilee, and now in the nicer weather to go for a swim too. And um, it's been very beautiful also to be connected with the world through 
the, the means of, of um, uh, social communication like we have today. So every day we have a mass live transmitted throughout the world um, uh, by Facebook and um, also YouTube in English and then another mass in Spanish. And as well as that, I know my brother, Father Kelly, has been doing his morning um, stroll and chat by the Sea of Galilee to encourage people uh, all over the world to tune in and to transport themselves right here in the sunrise moments. It's very beautiful to see the sunrise over the Sea of Galilee and to comment the scriptures of the day and things of life. That's been very helpful. And personally, I've also felt the inspiration to write about the women of the gospel. Um, I call them the flowers of Galilee. These women who follow the Lord and who minister to him. So I hope to um, do my own little videos of this in the coming days and also eventually to write a book on this topic of the women of the gospel, flowers of Galilee. Here we have the statues of Mary Magdalene and Jesus at the foot of Mount Arbel with olive trees and palm trees in the background and beautiful shrubs and flowers. It's a very typical moment where Mary offers some bread to Jesus. You can see the basket in her arm and seemingly just a half a piece. Maybe he said, well, I'm okay with half a, half a piece of bread. And so a very simple thing we can see how in little things in our lives is where we serve the Lord. And here on the side of the Jesus statue, we see the signature of the artist, and his name is Carlos Terez. And he did this beautiful bronze to remind us of these natural moments where Mary and the other women served Jesus and provided for their needs, material needs, and also they served from the heart. And they would take care of emotional needs and who knows all the needs they would have on their journey.